Welcome to the Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Yeah, good day, everyone, and welcome to the Clubhouse. Great to be back on air, talking golf right around Australia. My name's Julian Bayard. Mark Allen is here as well. Hey, Marco. Good day, Jules. Good to see you. New intro. New intro has been. Mate, I, made. I wasn't uh, made aware of the new intro. What happened to Adam Scott? On the G. On the G. <laughs> no, well done. Nice. Uh, nice little freshen up. Good yep. work. How's things? Yeah, good, buddy. How's uh, the golfing week? Uh, well, I only uh, I didn't play on Wednesday. I just went down and hit a few balls at the Albert Park driving range. Yep. It's nice hitting balls, you know. It is. It's, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to where my job starts. I need to get to work at about one o'clock. Yep. So, you know, I drop the kids off at school. I'll read the papers. And then, like, Often, I'll just hit 30 balls, and it, it's just, I think it's good for the soul mm. almost. And just the easy clubs. Don't don't take the hard clubs when you're just... What do you mean by easy clubs, Marco? Well, what are your you, easy clubs? You take a nine iron yep. and a five wood. Mm. That's usually what I do. So nice. I just hit some five woods. I just hit some nine irons because they're so easy to hit. So don't take, you know, especially sometimes, well, luckily at Albert Park, they've always got good range balls down there, it seems. But some other ranges, they have bad balls. And if you've got bad balls and you're trying to hit a five-iron in the air or a four-iron in the air off those mats, it doesn't work. Mm. Um, and then you might be hitting three woods off the mat. Don't, don't, don't do that stuff. So I, if I'm just hitting 30 shots and that's it, you know, 30 or 40, um, I hit 29 irons, yep. 25 woods. Nice. And you don't feel like you have to swing hard. You don't, you don't lose a rhythm. It's, all those things are really important. You, you watch, until really Tiger came along, he was warming up with two irons and three irons. I remember that. I used, you wouldn't believe this, but I used to I used to warm up next to Tiger Woods a lot. Mm. You wouldn't believe it in a million years, but <laughs> yeah. I did. For whatever reason, when you know when he first turned pro in nineteen ninety seven, he came down to the Australian Open. He was you know at eight fifteen, and I was at eight twenty five. And because we were close together, you know, I used to go down the driving range, and I used to always go down the very right hand side, so I couldn't see anybody. And he used to do the same sort of thing. So it was amazing watching him warm up because um, when when I was warming up, all you want to do is it's rhythm. It's all about rhythm. Yes. Just get a nice rhythm, get the aches and pains out of the system, mm-hmm. try and shape a few, make sure that everything's cool, um, and, and maybe just visualize a few shots that you're about to have, you know, whatever the first hole is, whatever the second hole is. So, for, for instance... Imagine the fairway yeah, in front of you. Yeah, that's right. If you need way. to draw a three-wood off the second hole, yep. if that's something you know that's going to have to happen, mm-hmm. then you practice a few right-to-left three-woods. Yep. If you need to practice a low shot, it's a really windy day, and you know the second shot on the first is going to be, you know, if you hit a nice drive, you're going to have to hit a low six-iron or a punch a nine-iron. Then you punch a couple of those, and then I used to always do the... Phil Mickelson flop shots towards the end, <laughs> nice. just to get a feel for things. Nice. Just to, you know, dial in. How do you go with the, say, the nine iron off the mat, Marco, at a well, driving the, range? How well, do you adjust? The, the nine iron's good. The nine iron's no worries, you know, just because you don't want to take big divots. Mm. But with the short iron clubs, you always, you know, you, you tend you tend to, with the short irons off a mat, you don't need to dig down. It just, mm. I think it actually really helps you. Yeah. Hitting nine irons, hitting short irons off mats, because you don't hit down too much, and that's, you know, for people who play the game and have a bit of lag in their swing, that's kind of what you're trying to uh, work against. Mm-hmm. Don't take the, the massive divots. So I think hitting a nine iron off the off the nets is fine. Oh, off the mats is fine. Anyway, that's that was my yeah. uh, warm up routine. But you know, when you got someone like Tiger Woods warming up next year, you kind of <laughs> you end up watching. And <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> he would he would hit 
You know, he he would go through the whole bag. Yeah. You know, well, when I say the whole bag, short irons, mid irons, long irons. So I think he went pitching wedge with all the evens one day, then all the odds probably the next, which a lot of players do. But he he would really concentrate. He would hit a lot of three irons. Yeah. And that was unusual. But he hit a lot of three irons because the three iron was so easy for him to get into the air. That's one of the things. Every, I mean, every club that he hit, it was easy for him to get it into the air. He didn't have to lean back on anything. He didn't have to give it a little bit extra. Where even, you know, some of the best pros, some of the best pros, even when they've got a three iron or a two iron, there still was a little bit of a flip to get this thing up in the yeah. air. So, so it would stop on a green back in the old days when a lot of balls were around. Yeah. You used to have to try and hit it high. But not him. He would, you know, he'd... he'd he did a lot of three irons. And then he, you know, he did a lot of three woods as well and a lot of drivers, um, and that was his warm up. But I, I always remember the mid irons, we the, the five dollar bill divots. They were just the most beautiful thin divots uh, you'd ever seen. You know, he, he did the wedges, and that'd be a normal, yeah, you know, a normal wedge divot. Yeah. But when he got to the seven and the six and the five iron, you just you still want to be hitting down a little bit, but not too much, and. That's the thing that I always remember listening and watching him hit those mid irons, just the five dollar five dollar note divots. Perfect. Absolutely beautiful. Love it. They were anyway. I love seeing uh what the PGA tour do on their uh, some of their social channels now where they, no, they go through the warm ups of yeah. players and they yeah. say, You wanna warm up like Tiger Woods? Yeah. Say, I think the last tournament he played they did this. Yeah. And they go, they follow him, they get a camera on him from when yeah. he gets out of the car. He he walks down, he'll go might hit 15 yeah. short wedges, 15 yeah. long wedges. Then he'll go to the putting screen. He'll hit 28-foot putts, whatever it is. And yep. that, they'll run through his whole routine. Yeah. And you look at the half an hour that he spends and you go, God, he's hit a lot of balls. Yeah. But you know what? He hasn't hit as many as I thought he would have hit the yeah. full round. No, it's interesting. I, I actually, you, you, you picked it up beautifully. And it is nice to see it, what the modern-day player yeah. is doing. Dennis McDade. Now, Dennis McDade coaches you know, all the best ones. Yeah. Mark Leishman, uh, Marcus Fraser. Uh, he had a lot to do with Ryan Ruffles when he grew up. I mm-hmm. think he's still Ryan's coach. I'm not sure about that one. But um, I, I, sometimes I catch the golf show on Fox yes. Sports. Now, um, and I think it's Andrew Dedo, one of the Dedos. Yes. I hope it's how good is golf? Yeah, how good is golf? That's the guy. <laughs> um, they're doing a great job. Mm. Paul Gow, it's interesting. They, you know, enough rugby players, though. I mean, is there any chance you can get an AFL player on there, Gowie? Um, but I did catch Dennis McDade going through... Uh, what modern day players are doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every time you see a young bloke playing these days, they've got the sticks in the bag. You know, those two little skinny yes, sticks. They love them. The warm-up sticks and the ball placement sticks. They're great. And it was just very interesting to me to see Dennis going through the modern day warm-up game where the sticks are really involved. Now, once upon a time, you just lay down a club, but you really wouldn't bother doing it, mm. to tell you the truth. You just, you just warm up. But, um, you know, they've found better ways. They've found better systems mm-hmm. for keeping their swings very consistent. Yep. And I think, the, you know, the sticks, even though they might just seem so simple, it is a modern-day way to keep your game more consistent. I love, too, Marco, on the putting green, the tees that they line up yeah. around the borrow of the green. Yeah. So they have to, in their head, they know, oh, I've got to hit it this wide. Yeah, And they've that's got to get right. that pace on it and get it around all these tees yeah. towards the hole. I, it's so simple. Yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I have thought of that? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Jordan Spieth. Does, it's Jordan Spieth. Uh, he he uses the sticks when he putts as well. Yep. So what what they do is they everyone's got their swing, and what they do is they warm up with their swing 
so to hit their stock shot with the sticks. Yep. So the ball placement's spot on, the grip's spot on, uh, they're the right distance away from the ball. The sticks does all that, mm-hmm. which 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 are fantastic. And like I said, it's just like the old days when you used to lie a shaft down next to your feet so you know that you know your feet were parallel to your target line. The sticks do exactly the same thing. Um, and then Dennis McDade was saying that you, then they take the sticks away and then they'll actually start shaping a few shots. Mm-hmm. Now let's hit a few soft draws. We'll hit a few fades. We'll hit a few high ones. We'll hit a few low ones. And they were doing that without the sticks. And then, Dennis was saying, and a lot of players do this when they practice, is that they actually start playing the course. So the first hole, let's play let's play Kingston Heath, for instance. Mm-hmm. King First hole of Kingston Heath, is it's a driver off the first. So you hit the driver, bang. If you're expected to hit an 8-9 in, you get an 8-9 out. Now, you can't, it's off a downslope probably, the second shot yeah. at Kingston Heath, but you can't really, but you hit the 8-9 anyway. And you just start getting in your mind. The second hole of Kingston Heath, for these guys, it's a 2-iron off the tee, mm. or a 3-wood for, for, for most, uh, with a slight draw. So they'd try and hit the three with a slight draw. And then, you know, then it's a short iron to the green, maybe a nine iron. Then the next hole at Kingston East, it's four iron off the tee for yeah. a lot of the guys. So they'll hit a four iron, and then they'll try and hit a low spinning lob wedge to try and just yeah. get their mind turned on and get in play. Um, so I, I never used to go to those extremes, but I can see now the benefits mm. of what Dennis was saying. Um, interesting. But the best part about it is you're going to play more consistent golf yep. if you're doing it this way. So you work on your swing. You, you work on your you, – you get rid of all the aches and pains with your, with your stock shot mm-hmm. and the sticks, and then it's time to start using your imagination. Yep. Clever. And then during the week, Marco, as you said, you wheel right back to what you said off the top. Just go down, some therapeutic yeah. 40 balls. Well, you know the best bit about uh, hitting off the mats is they're always square. Yeah. And that square it's line – alignment. Yeah. Don't I, – like I don't – what you've got to do when you're playing off mats is you've got to go back and see where the mat is pointing. Yeah, because exactly quite right. often, I mean, like I, the first couple of shots I hit, I didn't look at anything. I just hit a few nine irons, and I thought, Gee, that's you know, you hit the ball and you look up where you think you're going. You go, yeah, that's strange. And you go behind, you go, wow, that's this mat is. is pointing me 20 meters to the left of where I was actually looking. Yeah. So it's really, really important to do it. So if you don't have the sticks, that's mm. fine. If you're going to hit some balls at a driving range off the mats with the square edges, absolutely pretty much exactly the same yep. because everybody lines up with the square edge. And, you know, there's a thing in golf called um, hitting across the tee. Now, I don't know how we've got onto this, but this <laughs> is one of the great things about golf is when you really get into the nitty-gritty of it, um, tees, you know, just the shape of a tee where yes. you tee your ball up, mm-hmm. so the teeing ground. The shape of teeing grounds, um, normally it's kind of a rectangle type thing. Yep. Golf course architects are real nasty people by mm-hmm. nature. Yes. So yeah, what they'll do is, around. if there is a big lot of tea tree or a whole bunch of bunkers down the left-hand side, guess what they do? They aim it out there. They aim the <laughs> teeing ground straight at the rubbish. It's a way of you know defending their golf course because yes. you know everyone wants ninety percent nice... of people are just lining up with the tee box. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly what you do when you go to the driving range and you just line up with the straight edge. Yep. It is amazing. So the term is hitting across the tee. So if the tee is pointed way left, you've got to hit kind of to the right of the tee. You've got to hit across the tee. Or a lot of the time, like for instance, there's a great one, again, at Kingston Heath. There's a great one. Um, you, the last place you want to go at Kingston Heath on the, what is it, the 12th hole? No, the 14th hole is out to the right in the tee tree. Mm. You get on the tee and you 
the tee points you so far right. It is <laughs> unbelievable. And you've really got to hit across this tee, and it catches me a lot. Yeah. It's one of those ones. And you know, other courses like Huntingdale, the second hole. The second hole, the tee used to point you so far right, mm. you used to have to hit you know, two, three or a four iron across the tee. And the only way you'll ever pick this up, folks, is if you spot line. So maybe, I'll tell you what, we'll save the spot lining. Yep. We'll, we'll do it as a masterclass. Like we on. do it as a masterclass or we can do it. We, yep. we, we should probably do a segment on spot lining. Mm. Yep. But spot lining, if you're not doing it, it's a must. It's a bit yep. like 10-pin bowling. Mm-hmm. You know, those little arrows yes. that you see about two six metres, metres off. Yeah. yeah, two metres down. That's where I line it. That's yeah, that's right. The bowlers, the best bowlers, they don't look at the pins that are miles away. No. They look at the little arrows yep. and just roll the ball over on those. Little, well, it's the same principle nice. to where you don't stand over the ball and try and aim at something that's 280 metres away. Mm. You actually... Go behind the ball, pick something out that's you know easy to see yep. just in front of the ball, whether it be three meters or one meter or two feet or whatever, and you come in and instead of looking at the target, you come in looking at the spot mm-hmm. that's in line with where you want to go. You put the club down, lined at the spot. You put your feet down, and then you look at the target. Same on the putting green. Well, now that's interesting as well. Oh, well hang on, <laughs> because I've never done it on the putting green, but guess who did? Jack Nicholas. Mm. Jack Nicholas spotlined. On the punting green, because you know greens. So the greens today they're so pure. Yeah, you know you, you don't really get many. I don't know uh, blemishes. You don't get too many blemishes on yeah. a, on a putting green to to aim over. But Nicholas used to on on his long putts. Jack Nicholas used to spotline his putts. I've never heard of too many people doing it. Mm. I know some people will spotline a chip or a pitch. Yep, I think that's clever and that's smart and that you know that that makes sense. Um, but uh, spotlining putts. The great Jack Nicholas used to. So maybe if it's maybe it's good enough, maybe it's good enough for all of us. Maybe yeah. that's the answer. Right, we're gonna get to a break. Gonna come back because another video's emerged, Marco. Oh, from Tiger. Oh yeah, I love. It. Oh good. I'm gonna talk about this after the break. Righto. The it's... stinger is back. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. You're listening to the Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Yeah, welcome back. It is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. If you do miss any of the show, you can always podcast it. Just search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on any of your podcast channels, iTunes, whatever it might be, and you can listen back at any stage across the weekend. Now, Marco, you know what a lot of people do? Yeah. They podcast it. And uh, if they're going to go off on the Saturday morning and they've yep. got a nice early hit off, that's it. I think it's up what you usually About put up by 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Saturday. So you can download it and listen to it in the car on the way to golf. Exactly right. Yeah, a lot of people are doing that, which Perfect. is nice. It's nice to hear that people are doing it. That's very good. Good to hear. Now, Tiger Woods, Marco, we spoke last week. The driver was out. Yeah. The full driver, which you thought was the most disgraceful swing in the history of golf. Well, not disgraceful, <laughs> but certainly you know, good, but certainly would. I, the, the driver swing that he put on Twitter yeah. wouldn't hold up for an entire season. No. Wouldn't hold, not even close. Mm. Would not hold up. I mean, you could hit some nice shots. You could do some nice things. But if your body is hitting golf balls day after day after day, you're grinding out on the tour, there is pressure involved. Yep. The fact that his right shoulder comes up and out so quickly and he's, you know, by the time he's you know finished his follow through, his mm. back is straight up and down mm-hmm. like a real 25 marker. Yep. Um, that just doesn't work in the world of professional golf. You've got to get rid of all the vagaries in your golf swing. And that is, you know, that spine angle needs to stay the same, on the same angle for as long as possible. That's how you stay very consistent in the game of golf. But Tiger's spine angle, when you watch, you know, that um, shot tracer angle, so from from behind, and yep. from that angle, his spine is straight up and down when he finishes his swing. And none of the good players do it. It's funny, the 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 
every once in a while you'll see this uh, package of Tiger's swings put together. Yeah. So when he was like yeah. two. Yeah. Each year it changed. Each it's year it changed. <laughs> Go back and look at the year where he's wearing shorts and the hat. Um, his club was so across the line at the top, but his spine angle never changed from yeah. his setup to the end of his follow-through. It was still very much over on an angle. Yeah. And as he got older, it just came up and up and up and up. And that's one of the reasons why in golf that you, even though you might be as strong, but you just lose it a little bit as you get older. And it's because that spine can't take uh, the pressures of staying on that angle. Now, now that he's got the back fused, I mean, those early ones, it really looked poor. Yeah. And, you know, not professional level. Yep. All right. So, another video has emerged this week, Marco. Yes. Titled, The Return of the Stinger. <laughs> the Return well, of the Stinger. Let me, let I'm going to give you the video. Yeah. And you're going to analyze it. Yeah, no, I've seen, I've if seen you haven't, it. If you haven't had a look, jump on uh, Tiger Woods' uh, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, well, Facebook, and everyone, every well, other social media I want media you to channels. look at it. I want you to look at it for me. Yeah. Because, you know, what I'm talking about with mm. the spine angle, I think that one is so much more superior to the driver thing that yeah. he put out yep. that it's not funny. And you can actually see when he's finished his follow-through mm. that there is still some angle. There is. There is still some angle. Yeah. So he and still comes up and out. Yeah, but I don't think he comes up and out as much because he's almost trying Correct. to get the stinger to keep it low so he yeah. stays with it for a bit longer. Yeah, that is exactly... Yeah. That's exactly right. I couldn't have said... No, I, I, what the great teachers couldn't have said it any better, Jules. You know your stuff. So... So it's getting better. Not perfect, but getting better. Mm. The Stinger's a funny one, isn't it? Because he invented the name, yeah. and he definitely was the first player to hit a low two-iron, 270 yards, yeah. and have that stock shot. The yep. Stinger was a great shot. Mm. I mean, I never saw him. I can't remember him missing a fairway when he hit the Stinger. Yep. In all of my life of watching Tiger Woods, and I watched him pretty closely. Yeah, it was a real... Uh, when he needed a clutch fairway... Yeah. Fairway finder. Yeah. He brought it out. Yeah. And it was just, and it was, yeah. It was so good to, it was, I'm trying to think of in another sport what you could compare it to. It was almost like a torpedo in footy where a bloke, just to clear, um, yeah, no, clear it's, a congestion, you know, it's it a 70 meter barrel. It's the same as Kareem Abdul Jabbar's Skyhook. Yeah. Unstoppable. <laughs> it was, it was unstoppable. But, yeah. um, you know, it's no hitting. Hitting a lot of stingers um, take, would take its toll on the body because when you're hitting a low shot, you're not mm. releasing. Mm. You don't release the golf club, and the release gets it up in the air. But holding and holding and holding um, takes it, would take its toll yep. and would probably hurt your rhythm. And so you can do those things every once in a while, probably twice a night. You can probably get away with doing it. Yeah, it's the same with actually hitting the ball flat out. I used to think when I was playing, I, I would only do it twice a nine, try and hit something absolutely really? flat out. Yeah, just to protect the body? Well, if, you, if you're hitting it flat out four or five or six times a nine, remember you're only hitting, mm. you're only really hitting, if there's two par threes, only seven drives. Yeah. So if you're hitting five or six or seven flat out shots, it's no good for your rhythm. It's yeah. no good for your swing. So twice a nine's about right. And whether that is... You've got a really deep shot, uh, balls stuck in the rough. Mm -hmm. That counts. That's yeah. a flat-out shot. Yep. You might have a par five where, you, you know, if you absolutely cream one, you can get your three-wood to the front of the green or something. It's worth it. So that's one. That counts. But that's it. Yeah. Two or nine. And I think that's pretty responsible for most play, for most people who play. But the singer itself, mm. a lot of people... <laughs> I see a lot of well, you, you said when we talked about it pre-show, you said, I think a lot of people just hit stingers. <laughs> yeah, a lot of amateur golfers do. That's all they've got is the stinger. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, most pros can't keep, it, can't keep the ball down. Yeah. I mean, their issue is they hit the ball too high. A, lo mm. a lot of them is that the ball stays up, and that's why they use 
extra stiff shafts. I mean, really, you know, the whippiness. A regular shaft just helps get the ball, just helps flip it up in the air. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, the X shaft actually keeps the ball really low. It stops the club from releasing mm-hmm. and flipping the thing in the air, and that's why the pros use extra stiff shafts. Yeah. Because they don't feel as good. An extra stiff shaft. I mean, I always compare this to uh, if you've got a car going around Bathurst, if you drove that same car around the streets of Melbourne or Sydney, you'd get the bumpiest ride ever. Yeah, absolutely. You would. But those guys going so fast, they Doesn't need matter. it for control. Mm-hmm. Same with the pros. The X shaft feels horrible when you hit a four iron, particularly if you miss hit a shot. They feel they really jar your hands. They're no good. Yeah. But the ball goes so much straighter. Mm. And if you're a pro and hit the ball very high, the ball goes at just the right height. I mean, it's beautiful. And it doesn't spin the ball as much either. So in the end, the extra shaft, the the, the extra sti- the extra stiff shaft really helps a pro. Yep, nice. Um, but let's get back to that stinger. Mm-hmm. Not many players should really use it. Not not many not many weekend warriors because yep. they can't get the ball in the air. Yeah, I mean every shot, especially the long iron, every shot they hits a stinger. <laughs> they can't get the thing in the air. But if you want a version of a fairway finder, because that's really all it is. I used to have a. We've spoken about this before. My three wood. Is a low lofted. It used to have a thirteen degree, mm-hmm. and it used to be forty two inches long. So it was like a really short two wood. But my God, it was really hard to hit, to hard to miss a fairway with the thing. It was just beautiful. Mm. It would go low, and the short shaft ensured that you know it was easy to control. Yep. And into the wind, instead of hitting the, the driver, teeing up a driver yes. or teeing down the well, driver or whatever, it was just a beautiful club. It was, a, it was my fairway finder. Yeah. Well, this was the re- one of the reasons I wanted to raise it, Marco, because a lot of our listeners would be playing on courses that are often windy and yep. the conditions are tough. So quite often they want to keep the ball low. Yeah. So, so they, this shot in their head is, I want to hit a low stinger with a whatever yeah. club it is to keep it out of the wind and to try and keep control of it. Righto. So for most people, and I'm talking people who hit their three wood, if you hit your three wood 200 metres, mm. this this is the shot for you. Yeah. And if, you, if you're hitting your driver below 200 metres, there's never a need for you ever to hit a stinger. Mm. And I mean that with the greatest respect to the people who aren't hitting a ball 200 metres. But there's just no need. You get, especially today's ball and today's golf clubs, just tee it high and let it fly. Yeah. No worries. But if you do, if you hit it, your three wood about 200 metres, so 220 yards, then sometimes you will need to hit the stinger. And I think it's 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 as simple as um, gripping down the three wood, mm-hmm. an inch and a half, two inches, shortening your backswing, and hitting down on the ball, and doing a little bit of practice. That that, that is it to gauge what your hands now need to do to get the ball to go straight consistently. Are you changing the setup location of the ball in your in your stance at all? Yeah, marginally. It maybe a little bit back. Yeah, marginally a little bit back. Yeah, yeah for sure. But again, uh, sometimes it's, it's as simple as just maybe putting the club forward a little bit mm. too, letting, putting your hands past the ball a little bit, doing that. Mm. But the stinger, stinger works for Tiger because it's a shorter swing, it's a shorter follow-through, it's a later hit. But he has hit that many golf balls and his hands are trained, you know, mm. Like all professional golfers, their hands are trained to really feel what that club face is doing through impact. He wouldn't have to make any adjustment to his grip or anything. He would just, you know, the back of his hand would, it's called uh, supinate, you know, and away he would go to where he would just nice. feel the club face coming into the ball shut or certainly not. Well, when I say shut, de-lofted. Mm-hmm. He'd feel the club face coming in de-lofted and he'd still be able to feel the club face angle. Nice. And that's just from hitting balls. But it's, all it is really is a shorter swing, hitting down on the ball, and a shorter follow-through. But not many blokes can do it with a two-iron and still get it out there 270 yards. 
It's a rare thing. Great rare name, th- too, love- by the way. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The Stinger. Yep. It's better than the low fairway finder. <laughs> this is a stinger. Real boring scenario. Oh, no, the stinger. What I do like, though, Tiger, keep putting videos up because we love seeing the progression of your swing. Yeah, keep doing it. Really quickly, before the break, did you see the vision of Justin Thomas chipping over a, over a um, spike mark on yeah, the green? Yeah, I did. Did you like it? Real toss bag type stuff. <laughs> thought you didn't and like then, it. And then, so he's chipping over this scuff mark because... You know, he, he's, by the way, he's wearing metal spikes still, Justin Thomas. Mm. But so he's chipped out. If you haven't seen the vision, folks, yeah. it was a three-footer. There was a bit of a scuff in front of his ball. Yeah. They're Korean greens, which means they're Queensland greens, which means you know, they do have an effect. Yeah. And he got his, I would say, his 53. Yep. Held it like a putter. Stroked it like a putter. It popped up, bounced over the spike mark, and went straight in the hole. Can I predict what you're going to say next? Go on. He then just walked off. Yes. Fix the scuff mark, buddy. <laughs> That's what you do. Fix it. I could even, the exact same thing. Even if you are in the last group, uh, just fix it. Yeah. Because it's the right thing to do, and it shows respect for golf courses, mm. one. But two, it shows a little bit of respect for the people behind you. Yep. I, I loved the shot. I thought creativity and, you know, I, yeah. I think a little bit of arrogance about it as well, which yeah. I, I didn't mind. I saw Sergio do something similar a few weeks ago yeah. as well. He's nervous, mate. Yeah. He's nervous. He's absolutely nervous. And what he did to Mark Leishman in the playoff, oh. <laughs> he is nervous, yeah. this kid. Yeah. He's, I, I, I like, it. I think he's going to win more majors than his Who? buddy. Oh, I, see. I thought you were going to say it. No, else. no. <laughs> I think he's going to win more majors than his buddy Jordan Speed. Mm. That's how good this kid is. Nice. Yeah. Mm. But just fix your divot. <laughs> yeah. No, just tap it down, just tap mate. It down you still tap down a spike mark with the afterwards. sand iron, buddy. Yeah. Mm. Just tap it down. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do want. I want his putter. Yeah. Or a putter like it. So, Taylor made. can you make me a putter like what he's got? What's he got? Well, he's got, it's like his, you know, the old hound's tooth? Yeah. Well, it's the Scotty Cameron version of a hound's tooth, but it's got the plumber's neck in it. So, it hasn't got the shaft center you know that points to the center of the club and it's face balanced so i think more and more i've seen odyssey doing it you know i've seen a few pictures that taylor made are doing it as well this is the way of the future yeah a mallet style putter so anything that's a really big head they call a mallet putter a mallet style putter with uh it's like a how do you call it well a plumber's neck is it's like a an answer style putter's neck on it Mm. Uh, just fantastic beautiful Looks good, feels putts, good. Puts reasonably well with putts, it as well. Oh, he's just, he doesn't miss, mate. His confidence levels are sky high through yep. the roof. Nice. Hey, have you got 16 million bucks? I know. You haven't got $16 million? No, that's why I'm here. Because if you you. did, you might be able to buy a golf course down on King Island that'll be ranked inside the top 30 golf courses in the whole world. All right, let's talk about that next. You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here each and every week talking all things golf. Now, Marco, golf courses often come up for sale. And if you had a little bit of cash, you could throw it around and uh, and potentially get yourself involved in one. And right now, $16 bucks is going to get you a nice one. Well, that's what Guy Wells told us during the week. Yeah, so Guy's looking after Ocean Dunes. Mm-hmm. And look, we, we know that you know, nationally, it's been ranked number four in the country. Yeah, hasn't been internationally ranked yet, but a bit like uh, the two courses at Barnbugle and and certainly Cape Wickham as well. This one is going to be a top forty golf course in the world. It mm. is for sale, and now it is one hundred percent for sale. I mean, it is out. It's listed. So let's have a listen to Guy Wells, myself, and Craig Spence have a chat about it. Good day, Guy. 
Evening, gentlemen. How are we? Yeah, we're really well. well. Now, we know Cape Wickham has been sold, but uh, Ocean Dunes, now this is new. Guy, what can you tell us? This is hot off the press. Um, what can we tell you? The, the um, course opened in September of last year, and uh, the owners, I think, after what they've seen has occurred at Wickham and, um, and the future opportunity here at Ocean Dunes have decided um, to put this to market. They've had a few approaches directly from investors and thought the best way to, to get a, an outcome is, is through a public process. So what are, are we exactly selling, Guy? I mean, how much, how much land? Is there extra land to build a clubhouse or accommodation if required? How close to town? All those sorts of things. Yeah, so um, it's 190 hectares with the 18-hole uh, the course there, obviously. Um, one of the top in Australia, like Tasmania, seems to control uh, the best public courses there. Um, we're about five minutes from the airport and a similar distance from the main town of Curry. So we're right in the heart of, of King Island and give, it gives someone the opportunity to truly control the play and stay golf operation um, with potential to develop this further with, with permits for 21 motel suites and 80 holiday accommodation units. So the opportunity there is really endless. Now, Guy, there's a there's a hotel. You're currently running a hotel. Is that on the site as well? Is that part of the overall package? No, so there's actually a pub in town um, in Curry, the King Island Hotel, the only hotel on the island. That forms part of the offering. Um, so you'll be buying a golf course. You'll be buying a further probably 75 undeveloped hectares, permits for 21 motel suites, uh, 80 accommodation units and a pub. So the pub is separate and in town. Guy, I'm just racking my brain who's going to buy this. And to me, yep. if Tourism Tasmania don't buy it or the Tasmanian government don't buy it, <laughs> they're off their they're rock. off their rockers. <laughs> or, yeah. Full price. Or, full price, Guy. Absolutely. <laughs> or um, the same fella who bought Cape Wickham. Have, have you dangled it in front of this, this man? <laughs> uh, look, we, we are just kicking off. So I'm sure that will be one of the first phone calls we make after speaking to... To you fine gentlemen, but uh, I think you're right. Um, the Tasmanian government don't know how good they've got it um, with private uh, developers putting their state on the map. And if they don't look at something like this seriously, I agree with you that they're, they're probably pretty silly. But um, um, the gentleman who's bought Wickham, um, we will be having a chat to him. But you know, who knows whether he wants to to be there, but this might give someone else an opportunity to partner with whether it's, it's the guys down in Tassie mainland of Ocean, uh, sorry, Farm Boogle and, and Lost Farm or, or Wickham um, but it's, it's a pretty, pretty compelling opportunity I would have thought for, for one of those people or, or another party wanting to get in, in and uh, further develop this and um, bearing in mind we're, we're yet to be ranked globally, you can probably buy now and, and have a globally ranked course um, in the not-too-distant future. And that's happening, I think, in January, isn't it, Guy? Yeah, you would know better than me, I would think, but, yep. uh, yeah, it's early next year. So uh, where's it ranked in Australia before we go? Uh, if it's not ranked number, in the Number four is uh, in public. the public courses. Yeah, but it, it's so not. One, two, three behind. and four are on uh, King Island and mainland Tassie. <laughs> right. Yeah, OK. Well, yeah, well, so the other ones the other ones are ranked within the top 30 or 40 in the world. Yeah. So this one won't be too far different, you wouldn't reckon, Guy? I would have thought it would be in that range. And I would have thought, Guy, that you'd be getting a fair bit of interest from Asia, potentially, as well, given their interest in golf and interest in in buying Australian land. 
Yeah, look, I think that'll be a, a key market that we'll be seeking after. Um, so we'll actually launch this publicly um, over the weekend um, and that we're, we're calling for an international expression of interest. So I would imagine that we will have uh, offshore buyers, um, whether they be mainland Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, you know, those who are, who are very fond of golf. Um, and it is a global uh, opportunity, obviously, with, with people travelling, you know, around yeah. the world to play such outstanding courses. Oh, 16 million bucks, Marco. Not bad. Thank you for oh. yourself and Craig Spence on chasing birdies. On Why SCN wouldn't the Tasmanian Mike? government buy it? I mean, I don't think the Tassie government understand what they've got down there. Mm. They're spending more on that than Hawthorne sponsorship. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I mean, you know, Barn Burgle, there's more people working at Barn Burgle than there is in yeah. any other industry yeah. down there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just mad. Wake up to yourself, Tasmanian government. Yeah. Just buy them all. Build a great big you know, clubhouse in the middle of the island. Yep. Have a tab. Put a nice airport A few other in. bits and pieces there. Yeah. It'd be the ultimate boys trip. Oh, unbelievable. Ultimate. Ultimate. Thank you for that. Masterclass. Yep. Let's go. Stick around. That's coming up next. A free golf lesson from Mark Allen. Now on the clubhouse, Marco's Masterclass. That's it. You get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen, the best teacher in radio on golf. And we do it all for Club Mandalay Golf Course, clubmandalay.com.au. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's great golf in mm. Melbourne's north. Righto. We go to this one a lot, but there's always different ways of getting around a certain problem. Most people who play the game, even the best pros when they get a bit older, their shoulders stop turning, their arms keep going once the shoulders have stopped, and then, in definition, your arms are behind your body. You want to keep your arms in the same sort of place as your shoulders. So when the shoulders stop, you want your arms to stop. Mm. If they keep going, that's the disaster in the game. And most people, their shoulders stop because their bottom half, they're too scared to turn it. So there's a stack of drills you can do. But... I think, you know, most people listening in the car right now, they've got no time for drills. They just want answers. That's right. So. <laughs> Tell me wh- how I can fix it, Marco. Righto. So when, when I do a drill, okay, when I do a drill, I put this golf club on my shoulders and I just turn yep. my shoulders. And when you do this, when you actually just try and turn your left shoulder, when the club's there, you turn the, sh- the shaft past your chin, different things happen with your lower body. And the one thing that I've really noticed when I'm doing it, because I'm always trying to find a way to turn my shoulders, is that... My left foot turns onto the instep of the left foot as soon as I start turning my shoulders back. So my left knee actually rolls past the ball when I do the drill. So then I start hitting a few golf balls and I swing, and my left knee just stays still. Yeah. So if the left knee stays still when you're hitting balls, your shoulders will stop because your hips will stop. So... I started trying to roll onto the instep as soon as I took the club away. So I felt like there was a bit of chain on my hands connected to my nef- left knee. So when you went, so when I went, went back mm. with my hands, the left knee got dragged along. Nice. But the better feeling was that you just roll onto the instep straight away. Don't wait. Don't wait until you get halfway back and then do the instep thing. Go in step straight away. Because like I said, when I do the drill, and I don't want any of our listeners doing the drill because it's boring and no one learns stuff and you just couldn't be bothered and you want shortcuts. I know what you like yeah. out there. You want shortcuts. So when I do the drill myself, straight, the first thing that happens is my left knee bends and I get straight on the instep of my left foot. So I started doing it and the difference was amazing. It's actually helped. This will last for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I'm in an age now, 48, where I've got to move my lower body so that my shoulders can turn fully so that 
my arms don't feel the need to c- continue on to get some power. Mm. So doing this works. So if you're out there and you sh- and you know your shoulder turns small or you know that your arms continue, you always feel like your arms are lagging behind your body on the way down, this is an answer for you. Try it. So hands and a piece of chain, an imaginary piece of chain to the knee. Yep. And as soon as the hands go back, the knee goes pulling your foot onto its instep. You'll find a bigger shoulder turn. You'll find that there is no need for your arms to continue to get power yep. because I've always said this, shoulder turn is horsepower in a golf swing. That's exactly right. The hand action at the bottom is your turbo charge, but shoulder turn is the horsepower. The Go and have a look at Dustin Johnson. Go and have a look at the best players. Go and have a look at JT. Their shoulder turns are extreme, mm. but they're young. They, they stretch. Yeah. They've got trainers, and they can do everything. If you don't doing that, if you're not doing that, you've got to move the bottom half. And by the way, there's another guy called Bubba Watson, um, Brandel Chambly. You've got to follow him on Twitter. He's quite interesting. He's always up about you know the left heel coming up in the air. Bubba Watson um, doesn't go to the gym, doesn't train. His left heel goes in the air. His bottom half moves like you wouldn't believe, and he's got more clubhead speed than Dustin Johnson. Yeah. So all this stuff where you keep your feet still, yeah, it works great if you're a kid and you're limber. Once you get past about 35, that bottom half needs to work. Yep. So imaginary chain on the hands to the knee. As soon as your hands go back, the knee gets dragged along with it, and you move onto the instep of your left heel. Straight away. Straight away. As soon as you pull the trigger on those hands moving. Get ready to be happy, folks. Well, you're going to get some more horsepower. Get ready to about. be happy. I like it. Yep. Very good. Marco's Masterclass, all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. And you can play golf for two people at Club Mandalay including a motorized cart with a drink for only 79 bucks. Marco, thank you for that. Good on you, Jules. Enjoy a little little A break. little holiday, mate. A little break for you. Good on you. Enjoy. And I'll we'll, see you in a couple of weeks. We'll see you later. Take it easy.